Hi, I'm Aaron, and welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle Podcast, a podcast all about, well, you guessed it, hip hop. I will be interviewing artists and exploring the genre I love. My hope is that you will begin to love it as much as I do, if not more. Please like and subscribe and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for any upcoming podcast news. All right, let's get into it. And we're live. Uh, welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast. I'm with one of the up and coming, one of the good new talents coming out. Good, I say good. It's great new talents coming out. Uh, I'm going to butcher the name. It's Is it Jovian or Jovian? But he is up and coming talent. And um, if you haven't checked out his music, I highly recommend checking out because in terms of vibe, it's like a really chill vibe. It's like one of those vibes where I can sit back, I can relax. It just gets you in a different mindset. So if you're thinking way too much, this is this is the person you should be should be listening to. It just gets you in that relaxed mode. Um, Timothy Chalamet, I butchered it again. It's clearly in the early in the morning. Timothy Chalamet is a track he released, and Where'd You Go as well. Probably the one that got me into his music. Um, I've been playing that track for like three days straight. So um, no, it's a pleasure, man. Thank you for coming on the show. That was a long intro, but um, it's it's good to have you on. Thank you, man. I appreciate your time. My pleasure. Well, I was going to ask you because something that I noticed um, and something that you're very open about is your synesthesia. And that is... Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, and, and that's something you've spoken about before, but I was going to ask you because, you know, how did you discover discover that? And for people who don't know who what that is, I thought I might get you to just kind of do a quick explanation of, of what that is. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. I didn't think you were gonna go there. Um, so what synesthesia is, and specifically mine is chromesthesia. So it's just like it's just overactive senses. So for me, I could like smell, taste, hear, and feel color, and then I could see color that like I may not have uh, like ever seen before. You know, um, so like maybe a specific sound in a song. Um, or a song itself has a specific color. And then like, I'll have to Google what that color is so I can find the exact shade. And then I'll have to name it a word that has that exact shade. That's um, cool. And then the cover art has to be the same exact color. Um, so that's just basically, and there's other versions of it. Like I know Pharrell has one where like he can see sound. So like maybe a sound for me could be a color. A sound for him could be like a triangle or something like that. You know, so there are like different variations. Um, but how I discovered it, I was in the studio, the first studio I ever went to, um, which was a, a, like a friend, a family friend of mine. Um, we were working on music and I was like, Hey, like this song is like kind of red and I don't like red at all. So it's like, Hey, like, can we, can we shift it to blue? And I was talking to someone that like, he like plays like 12 instruments and like, he's just like a prodigy. And he's like, what do you mean? And I was like, you know, like this is red, like let's, let's go more blue. And he had no idea what I was talking about. Well, how old were you at that time? Um, 21. Okay. Yeah, probably like 21, 22 maybe. Um, and so me, like, you know, to me, he's on this pedestal. This guy who like, is like, uh, he's not, he's not expendable. So for me to like hear him question and be confused, I was like, what the, like, what is this? I thought everyone like felt this. So I Googled 
And then I was like, oh, 1% of the population in the world has this. Like, of course, he had no idea what I was talking about, you know, because he doesn't even approach music in that way. And that's when I really started looking into it. And then it, it actually ended up getting stronger because now I was aware of it. So, um, so yeah, that was like the beginning of it all. That's, that's really interesting because, well, for people who can't see you, obviously this is an audio platform, but, you know, you've got blue in your hair. So it is interesting that you, that you said you don't like red. What is it about red that you're, that you're not, that just doesn't hit you in the right way? So if you would have spoken to me last month, um, I probably would have just said something along the lines of like, it just doesn't set well with me, like even red places. So like red places, for example, would be like LA and Miami are two places I just don't like it there. And it's because it gives me a red vibe. Um, and just the color, like there, there was a lot of things about red that just made me uncomfortable. But I think what it actually is, is I've been getting into like chakras lately. And the, the, the last chakra, the bottom chakra is red. So what I've noticed is like, oh, I've been really disconnected from being grounded, like in life. So like, of course, I don't fuck with red because I'm not grounded, you know? So I think that's what it is now, um, which like a month ago, I wouldn't have even went that way. I just thought I didn't like red. Um, but on the opposite hand, like blues just make me feel so good. So like whatever color I'm feeling, it'll probably be in my hair, or like my nails, you know? So it's like a minty, like a minty blues where I'm at right now. And that's how I've been feeling lately. And so does blue align to a chakra as well? Yeah, yeah, it does. Blue, blue aligns. You know what? Let me Google it just so I don't butcher it. Oh, uh, you're like me. You're like, you know, start to get into something and then you're like, actually, hold on. Before I start saying some things that I'm not ready yeah, to talk I, about. Yeah. Oh, uh, the throat <laughs> chakra. So, of course, I'm, a, I'm literally an enter, like I'm, I'm a singer, rapper. Yeah. So throat chakra is the blue one, which is, you know, not ironic. Do you feel like that now that you're being able to tie it into multiple things that you're getting more out of it because i feel like you know once you discover it it's really new like this it opens up this world of okay i don't really know it that much because it's like i've lived with it but i don't really understand the the powers it has the limitations it has but now that you've been able to align it with you know chakras and other things that it's giving you more direction in what you can do with it yeah, yeah. I went from like being something I was overwhelmed and like anxious about to uh, to like a superpower almost, you know, and like a lot of the artists I look up to, because even Frank Ocean has it, Kanye West has it, uh, Blood Orange is Dev Hines. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Blood Orange. No. Uh, uh, Lord has it. Um, so, there, you know, it's, 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 it's really interesting to see like these people that I grew up listening to have it and then using it as a superpower rather than it being overwhelming because it, it easily could be as well. Well, I'm not sure if it's the same thing, but I spoke to a producer, Eric G. Um, he produces works for Rhapsody and he's worked with Ninth Wonder. Um, and he said that he's got numbers that have colors associated with them uh, in his own mind. So he's got, he's got that. So every number has a color. And I think he was saying zero is like white because it's got wow. nothing. It like, you know, just replicates whatever it is. So yeah, I think that in terms of creatives in general, what we're seeing is this different style of the way the brain works. And it is cool to see that people are unlocking it and figuring out a way to make it work for them because your sound is extremely unique. But like, I guess that's, that's the thing. Like when I listen to you, I'm like, you're a blend of like hip hop, but you're a blend of R and B at the same time. Like you are spitting bars, but you've also got this like really nice 
melodic feeling to your music how did you find that sound because i feel like that's quite unique to who you are hmm. no one's ever asked me that i don't i don't know i don't i, I think it's just it, it's a mixture of um i got like the internet really late in life like i i i finally i got my first computer at like 2010 so uh that just like i just spent and i didn't grow up with a lot of friends so i just spent hours and hours on the internet but like looking for music and um like within the first few months i found like the weekend frank ocean and tyler the creator like all like really close in time um so i mean i'm sure that has something to do with it but i'm not sure i i think for me and the way i create art is um i i'm just creating what i want to hear um and maybe maybe a little bit of what i feel is 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 missing in like like mainstream i would say um I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm also just super, super picky and a perfectionist. So like, I'm not sure. I just, I don't, I just create, you know, I don't really know. Yeah. I feel like there, there are like two types of artists in this world. Some people who plan everything, every step, every note they plan, and then others who just go and they just feel it. And sometimes that freedom helps, helps artists just be able to go, you know what? I like this. Yeah, I would say I'm, I'm, I'm like as a person, I'm very just like structured and like I need a schedule. I need to know like a week beforehand, all these things. But as an artist, like I, I, I approach my specifically music the opposite because like I don't want labels. I don't want definitions. I don't want to um, I don't want to take away the beauty and I don't want to have to define that beauty. I just want it to exist on its own. Um, because as a person, I need definitions, you know, that's like I mean, I just Google that the blue shocker then, yeah. you know, like. <laughs> Very, very like, I don't want to use OCD as like an adjective, but I, I, I have OCD. So I'm just into structure. But as an artist, I don't want to, I don't want any of that stuff, you know? Mate, I feel you. I'm a structured person as well. Like for people who don't know behind the scenes, this podcast, I book the, like an, an interview, like as, as long in advance as I possibly can. If I can get three weeks in advance, mate, that sets up my life. But I've had artists who are just like, <laughs> you know, message me on the day, man. Mess- and that, no, I, no. <laughs> I, I think you hit me up three weeks ago right yeah i think it was three weeks ago yeah, yeah no. I, I can't do that yeah i don't do the day of type of shit even my studio sessions i book a month ahead yeah no that was eric g so if, if you haven't listened to that oh. podcast with my fans that was eric g he's an awesome guy but he's just like he texts he would text me and go man schedules fuck with my my mind so i don't do schedules wow. He's like, wow. yes, in principle, but uh, yeah, just message me on the day. We'll see. So um, no, nah, it ends up happening, but it's just interesting. Like for me was like, I had to get into that zone of, okay, prepare yourself and fingers crossed, but um, no, nah, it all ended up working. Oh, no, you would hate LA. LA is all about that. It's like, like the people in LA are like, if you schedule shit and if you're like, am I allowed to curse? I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. If like, if you schedule shit, um and like you're on top of your time and stuff like it, it's almost they take it personal like you're like what's your problem bro like i'll show up when i show up yeah that's not how i operate at all no i can't do that i'm like guys i got stuff to do like you know what i mean and and also i feel like you know it's important for the other person it's like a respect thing for me it's like you know because i respect you i'll be on time and not 45 minutes late yeah it's just consideration you know but how did you discover music? Like if we go back, like 
the journey for every artist in terms of discovering music and then actually wanting to dive into it is one of those ones where it, it comes early in life, it comes late, but how did you discover it and how did you decide, all right, this is now what I want to dive into? Mm. Um, I, I can't tell you. It's kind of like, like music and Star Wars are like equal to me. Like, I don't know when it started, but I'm just obsessed with both. Um, like I wish I had like an actual webcam to show you my room. Like my room is just filled with Star Wars and like, like music and shit. Um, Our friends will love you right now. Cause I feel yeah. like a lot of fans are going to be like, oh, okay. I haven't listened to, to, to him, but now that he's into Star Wars, a hundred percent. Before music, Star Wars, all my money went into Star Wars. Like I have like a trash can right here and like night lights, everything in Star Wars. So so same thing with music. It's just it's just like so in my code. I don't I don't remember how it started, but I remember two specific moments. Uh, one was before I kind of I got internet, which was um I was selling toys outside of like, like my dad's like uh, um, storefront, because I just needed money, you know, for that summer. So I was just selling like a bunch of toys and stuff. And um, T Pain, he just dropped an auto tune app, and it was basically like you plug your phone in. I mean your your headphones in your in your phone, or at that time it was an iPod. Uh, iPod touch and um he had a bunch of blank beats and like you could sing or rap over them but with auto-tune on but the thing was like you could it wasn't like a, a uh, like an actual like logic or Ableton or actual program where I could stop and start and like do everything with the vocals like you had to record it all at once so like I remember being outside when it would get slow and I would just listen to these beats and then write on my notes and then sing it you know on there and I was like oh wow like this is really cool but um, I would say that's the introduction to like creating music because I've always wanted to be a performer. Like I went to school for acting, um, middle school, high school and college. Um, so I played with music in the background um, between all that time. Um, and then when I got the internet, you know, that's when like I started to consume music at like a high, high level a lot, all the time. So between like finding my pocket of like, oh, I really enjoy rapping and, and writing melody and then finding like, these niche artists that I really, really loved. Um, it was an it was inevitable that eventually it would go from like a thing I'm doing while I'm not acting to uh, when I graduated college, I promised myself I would like work on like some sort of like musical project and see how I like it while I audition. But I can only audition for Hamilton. You know, you know, you've heard of Hamilton. Yeah, we had Hamilton in in uh, in Melbourne, but I I never went to go see it unfortunately. But yeah, I've heard some great things. Yeah, like uh, lyrically, it is incredible, and it's just like you know, it's it's basically my music. It's hip hop and R and B, but in the in the context of you know a historical kind of play. So I promised myself if I'm not auditioning for that, then I'm working on music, and I love the process so much that I was like, yo, like okay, I'm putting everything on hiatus, and let me just focus on this one thing, um, and then yeah, and then that's that's eventually how I found synesthesia, and you know, and here we are. Yeah, I feel like, you know, the the good thing in terms of your own journey is that you knew you were creative the whole way. Like, mm. and is that, did that come from like, you know, as a kid, like through your family, did they foster that as, and encourage the creative side? Because I feel like a lot of people struggle, you know, the that they get pushed in a direction that is, you know, the traditional course of, you know, English, math, science, but the creative side is sometimes limited. How did you find that growing up? Um, yeah, I think I just like, 
innately, I just wanted to do a lot of things. And my parents just like, let me do whatever I wanted, I guess. And like my, my mom wanted to be a singer growing up and she wasn't encouraged. So I think she wanted to push me a little bit or she, or she allowed me to, to, to do what I wanted because she wasn't able to do that as a kid. Um, same thing with my dad. My dad wasn't able to like kind of choose his, his journey the way I was. So because of their sacrifice, I'm sure that had a lot to do with me being able to just like try a bunch of shit and see what I liked. Um, and entertaining across the board was just something I loved. Um, and it, it was always music, but I, I wasn't confident in like just my writing and just creating melody and, and rapping. And also I think like I wasn't even living, like I didn't have anything to talk about, you know? So that, that just hit me just now. So I think that's why acting ended up coming first because um, that's, a lot, that's a lot easier. You know, that's so much easier. Like literally the words are there already and I get to put my own experiences into it. But this is, it's like, it's 50-50. But with music, it's just like, it's all me. So it kind of makes sense that it came a lot later in my life where like it was something I wanted to pursue, you know? Yeah, I, I agree with you on that because I did drama and I I did like theater in high school as well. Um, and yeah, I loved it. That was like what got me in, you know, even, even in primary school, we had like, you know, in music, we had like, you know, theater sports, they would call it and you'd just like go out and improvise or whatever. I've done some improv and stuff, but like, it, it's weird because that part of it allows you to just create and it allows you to have like, you know, pressure and it gives you this weird sense of, I can forget about myself for an hour and I just pretend to be a completely different person. Um, and, and it's kind of nice to have that freedom. And I think, you know, with music, it's almost the opposite. You become more yourself. It's so truthful. It's so much who you are that it's like, you really got to be okay with you know heading into that deep direction yeah yeah and, and i think for me like my my years of acting it it supports my my music and it supports the way i write because i'm approaching it in such a different way you know i'm approaching it as an actor and especially like 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 for me i love shakespeare uh i fell in love with him in college and one thing with shakespeare for either you or for those who aren't too familiar oftentimes in his plays he'll have the characters like make fun of themselves talking to the audience but it's kind of separate from the story so it's like they break the fourth wall but they do it in such a way where they're making fun of themselves and it doesn't kind of it doesn't really break up the the play but it's like oh wait like they're aware they're in a play right now and that blew my mind growing up so for me like in timothy chalamet my in the second verse i say something like um uh, uh, something like, I wish you were a deer. Like I'd run you over with Tesla and probably cheer. And I was like, and then I say, oh my, like I didn't mean to say that. Like it just slipped. Yeah. So I love that idea of like, oh, I'm saying some shit that like no one would ever, no one openly would admit generally, but we all think about crazy shit. And then I'm, and then I'm showing like, oh wait, I'm aware. I shouldn't have said that in a song. And I love, I think that's like the way Shakespeare did it is like brilliant. So that's a huge influence of mine on the way I write. Do you, do you have like a Shakespeare play that is your favorite? Because what I found with Shakespeare and what was really cool is the the depth of characters. Like in terms of all the characters had a lot of depth. Like I I studied Macbeth in high school and I was just like, all right, the the amount of evil characters and King Richard the Third was probably my favorite, just because like everyone is evil 
And I just love that. And they're all horrible humans and they just get worse and worse. And I just, the, the layering is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. For, for me, it would be Julius Caesar. Like, I'm in love. Like uh, I want to be in that play one day eventually. So yeah, I love Julius Caesar a lot. I love Hamlet. Um, I love Othello. Um, yeah, those are probably be my top three. Yeah. I, f- I don't know. It feels like it's hard to read. That's the only thing like, because it's old English, it's it's difficult to read, so you got to bear with it. But like, there's just I don't know. There's something about Shakespeare. If you can sit with it for long enough, and if you're, I feel like you need to be at a certain age. Like if you're too young, you won't get it. Um, but you need to be at that, just ready to just be quite introspective and look at these strange characters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, the, the thing that broke me into loving it is that as the I acted. So because I was acting in it, I was able to understand it way more than just reading it. Um, and like, you know, some of my scene study play, uh, classes or acting classes, whatever it may be. Um, so yeah, it wasn't until I was like playing those characters that I really understood what was going on. Cause yeah, just reading it. I'm also dyslexic. So like reading it was just so crazy to me. It's too much. Yeah. And he invented words at that time, which I find yeah. crazy. Like there are just so, I don't know. There are just so many people are looking this world and there are so many cool and interesting people. And like, one of my favorite books or one of my favorite movies is the Lord of the Rings and oh, J.R. Tolkien. He invented like Elvish. And I'm like, yeah. I don't understand how you do that. Like I can struggle with English sometimes, let alone invent a language with like your own like letters. And literally it's like, I don't know. It's just crazy, but so cool at the same time. Yeah. I mean, just like Star Wars, there's like hundreds of languages in Star Wars and it's just like, these people who I feel are disconnected to so much more than just earth and just special people, George Lucas, Kanye West, like Steve jobs, Shakespeare, um, J.R. Tolkien, for sure. They're just these people or, or um, George R.R. R. Martin from game of Thrones. Like if like specifically George Lucas, he created a universe where like, I preferred, I wanted to live in that one. Like I didn't want to live in ours. So, but it's not real. And I just think, yeah, there's just something brilliant about that about those those kinds of people and they should you know be celebrated while they're alive yeah same as the harry potter universe um I'm not into that too much but i do respect it a lot yeah it's yeah. very very deep she's got she's got a lot of backlash these days but what i i tended to stay away from people's politics i'm like as a kid i used to love those books i just remember everybody used to go to school and everyone's like i read this book in in a day i finished it in a day and i was like well you ruined it because I want to enjoy it. And I used to like break it up over weeks or months. Cause I was like, I don't want to binge it too quickly. I want to enjoy this book. <laughs> it's really dope. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. Something I also read about you and something that um, was interesting to me was you've gone through a few challenges with like, you know, accepting who you are and, and actually finding your own identity and, and really going through those things is something that a lot of young people can identify with. And I think we all go through that in a certain way, but how was that journey for you in terms of, you know, really finding who you are as an individual, finding who you are and, and being grounded enough to, to go onto this journey? Mm, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think, I think like, uh, so I live in, you know, I live in New York, which is like, you know, based on my experience, one of the greatest cities in the world. And I still went through all this shit, like a lot of mental um, challenges. So like, I can't imagine someone in like the Midwest or, or someone in, in, in places that 
and places where like art and just expressing yourself artistically isn't encouraged, you know? Cause like New York is a very special place. Not too many places like encourage artistic expression. So like, and I went through all that, like a lot. So I can't imagine, you know, a little kid in like, you know, just uh, Utah or some random state, like what are they doing? And I think that's my purpose in, in, in all of this, which is making sure like, you know, these kids, you know, I, I see these kids and these, these people see me and know they're not alone. But um, yeah, I would say for me, a, a lot of stuff just started with, like, I thought it was just nervousness. I was like, oh, I'm nervous. But like, it's one thing to be nervous before like a play. Like, I think my first big play was West Side Story. Um, and like, which is Romeo and Juliet, basically, but in New York. Um, and I was so nervous. But then like, I would also be nervous to like, say here, like I'm here in class, like when they could say my name. So I'd be like, wait, why am I nervous to say my name? Like, you know, and I would make sure I would play it in my head to make sure I don't say my name wrong or things like that. And then going to college is when it opened up like, oh, no, that's not nervousness. That's anxiety. And then when I defined it, it got so bad because it got worse because now I was aware, you know, I was aware of it. Um, so like either whether it's anxiety or, you know, uh, sensations of depression or loneliness or. Like another thing I dealt a lot with was like body dysmorphia, which is just for those who don't understand, it's like, I just can't see my body. Like, like what I see in the mirror is not real. You know, it's like, like I, I look humongous, but in real life, it's like, there's literally nothing there, um, which I'm sure a lot of people can relate to. But I didn't, I just, I thought this was a thing that everyone had until I started defining them. I was like, okay, no, this is OCD. This is body dysmorphia. This is dyslexia, all these different things. Um, so for me, it was just like creating just in general, like acting wasn't enough for me. So I was like, okay, let me make some music, like just for fun on the side. And then that wasn't enough for me. So I started making clothes too. And I felt like being privileged and being in a place where I can actually, you know, create all that stuff um, really helped me because I was able to express myself in so many different fields that that was almost my form of like talking, you know, cause I didn't grow up with a lot of friends. So like especially writing like poetry and that ended up turning into music that ended up being my form of release and just being like, you know, like this is me venting and then me finishing a song or finishing a poem was like, Oh, wow. Like I feel good. Like I actually re released this, you know, I released, I'm not holding it anymore. So um, that was, that, that like really changed a lot in me and, and really allowed me to be uh self-aware and just like conscious of, of these thoughts and conscious of these sensations. And like, if you just hear it in my music, I talk about a lot of that stuff. And like, that's to make sure that like, no one ever has to go through that shit. Like, as long as I'm alive, like, like, I don't want anyone, I want everyone to have the tools um, to conquer all of it, not suffer through any of it. Um, and just like through me seeing like, yo, you're not alone, man. Like I'm here with you. You know, like I made it through. Like everyone can. Yeah, I think it's really important. And and I appreciate you being open about it because, you know, it, it, I'm sure it's not the easiest thing to talk about. But, you know, for, for people who are going through those things, it's important to know that, you know, number one, you're not alone, that a lot of people go through it. And number two, you can also make it out of it. And, you know, as long as it takes, you just got to keep trying. And that's like, that's what it is. And my brother went through a bit of like body dysmorphia as well. He was really young. That was hard on the fam. Um, he's okay now, but he was very young. He was probably like, I'm trying to remember like 10 
and he was wow. going through it and he was he was extremely young i think we got lucky we got caught it like bless my mum was amazing during it honestly um and body dysmorphia is not just you know not seeing it but it's like you know you look at bodybuilders or people it's it goes the other way as well like people who are like i'm not big enough like yeah. I, my arms aren't big enough i need to go to the gym or i'm not skinny enough or whatever it is and it, it goes in every facet like i have days where i look in the mirror and i'm like oh i'd like bigger arms or i'd like a bigger chest or i'd like more definition in my legs and then someone will be like man you look good and i'm like no 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 not not having it because it's weird. It's weird. We're just like always seeking the perfection or what we think is the perfection. Yeah. Which is like, on one hand, it's beautiful because like, I believe the way I approach my life is like, there's always more, like I, there's always more I can do. Um, but balancing that with like, Hey, like me from 10 years ago would be so proud right now. Like, it's almost like, like, shut the fuck up. Like really just shut the fuck up. And like, be proud of where you're at while also balancing that with, Hey, like what else can I do to further this? You know, that like urgency with patience is um, a balance. I've really been practicing a lot and just trusting that any sensation I have, um, like there are ways I can work on improving that those things that I may be insecure about, but also trust that my insecurity is a lot more magnified than what the actual thing is, you know? So like, a big thing for me, I eat, I eat, I'm, I'm vegan, but, but I also, I do my best to not only be vegan, but eat like mostly raw, like mostly smoothies and fruits and juice. And I'll allow myself maybe one day or just a few meals a week. But like the moment I have like a bagel or like chips, it's like, I've gained so much weight, which is so weird. It's literally just a bagel, but like, um, or even like a vegan burger or something like there are certain foods that are just are so heavy to me that for some reason. And when I'm done eating them, I just feel like I'm so freaking like I just gained all this, all this weight, but like, it's literally just in my head. It's so odd. It's so odd. Yeah, it is. It is strange. And like, to me, I've never understood this like obsession with other people's diets in a weird, like I, I get the morality piece of like, you know, vegetarianism and, and veganism that hundred percent. I, I have, I'd never disagree with that because like that makes sense and for someone to be like but sometimes people just eat what makes them feel good or whatever they need for their body like and and something that i i've thought about for a while is like you know genetics and like you know what your ancestors grew up eating and like obviously your body come is conditioned to that part of it as well and i don't know i think like this obsession with what everybody eats i'm like you do you man like whatever you want to eat you go for it if and you know, for all those meat eaters out there who are like myself, if you got friends that are vegan, just go to a vegan restaurant. It's not going to kill you to have yeah. a vegan meal. It's food, it's food you know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 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 I get it. You wanna you wanna eat some bacon. I understand. Just calm down. Go have a vegan meal once in a while. You know, you don't have to eat meat every meal. It's okay. So I just feel like it's too much. Sometimes we just got to use a bit of you know sensibility and just be like, all right. You know, let's let's be accepting of others. We're very we're we're getting in the right path, but for whatever reason, diets everyone's very ready to start throwing stones. Yeah, yeah, I definitely feel that. Yeah, it's 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 food. Vegan food is food, and it's good. So, come on, come on. Yeah, well, you know, some of the best stuff like a salad. 
Like I love a good salad. Like there's just something about like, especially in summer when it's warm, the last thing you want is a heavy meal. What you want is something light. You want something fresh. And I don't know about you, but I've started to really get back into tomatoes. Like cherry tomatoes have started to, I'm just like, oh, tomatoes in that dish, 100%. Like, I don't know what it is, but they've, I went through a phase where I was like, eh, but now I'm back on, on the tomato train. Wow. Yeah, I never liked them until recently. Uh, same thing with salad. I ne- was never into salad. But but for me, like y- you saying salad in the summer, like for me, it's fruit. I just love like it's fruit in the, in the summer or like smoothies and stuff. It's so good to me. What did you grow up eating? Like what was your what was your diet as a kid? Like did you have like general meals that you would have or was it quite flexible? I feel like much, much like art, like I'm just so picky. Like as a person, like there wasn't much that made me happy growing up. So like, I never liked dark meat. I never liked cheese. I never liked things fried. So for the majority, and my mom is an incredible cook, but like, you know, she cooks a lot of Spanish food and, and everything I mentioned is kind of Spanish food. So yeah. <laughs> it wasn't much option. I, you know, I love rice and beans. I love like, you know, blabano, but I grew up eating a lot of cereal because I just didn't like a lot of the stuff that would be for dinner. And I, I felt really shitty asking her to make me a separate meal. Cause I'm, I'm one of four boys. Yeah. So it's, it's just, I'm not like, I'm not doing that. So yeah, I'm all, one of three. So, oh, okay. yeah. yeah. So you know how it is. So like, you know, I did enjoy certain meals, but overall it's just like, I just stuck with cereal. Um, so I ate a lot of cereal growing up. And then I also just ate, I didn't like food all that much. So I guess like I liked, I don't know if there's a Wendy's out there, but I like Wendy's. No, there's no Wendy's, unfortunately. Uh, Wendy's is just like McDonald's. You know, it's like another another McDonald's. But it wasn't until I went vegan that I really fell in love with food. And I really just started like having a whole bunch of different kinds of things. And like, I never had Thai food, like before I went vegan, you know, I didn't have a lot of Japanese or I never had any Korean. So, or like Vietnamese, I never had any Vietnamese food. So like now being vegan, since there are, there are so many options, especially now, but still less than meat. So it, it allowed me to like want to uh, adventure more. So I would say, yeah, growing up, I didn't have much of even an appetite, really. It's only now that like I'm obsessed with food. Yeah, I was the same. Like we had the, as I'm not the same with food. Like I'm not a picky eater. There's only a couple things that I'm not a keen on. I can't do licorice and I can't do, can't do celery. I don't know what it is about celery. I just can't. It's too bitter. It's too weird. But I do love coriander. So I'm one of those people as well. But um, but yeah, there was a rule in my household. This is not a restaurant. You don't get to pick on the menu. What's made for dinner is made for dinner. And you either <laughs> eat it or you don't. That's the that's the Eastern European. That's like the, the Russian mentality. Like, hey, you want to go cook dinner? Off you go. Go do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel that. I feel that. But at the same time, it makes you like... It gives you perspective. I think, you know, it's important to have those boundaries. And um, yeah, I don't know. I I think that, you know, in Melbourne, we're we're quite lucky because we have a a melting pot of all these kind of different cuisines. Like I can walk five minutes down the road and there's Vietnamese place, there's a Japanese place, a Korean place. Um, And yeah, this part of life is enjoying other people's food. I feel like that's so good and i'm and i'm really happy for you that you know you get to enjoy all these different flavors and man i love thai food as well oh man yeah thai korean japanese vietnamese like those are all i would say that and mexican are just are all my favorites do you have like a a favorite dish that your mom cooked 
growing up, yeah, her like just like breaded chicken cutlet with like mashed potatoes and corn, like so good. Um, I would say other than that, not much because like I wasn't I wasn't really into like chicken wings, rice and beans, incredible, of course, and blah, I don't know. But like, yeah, I would say like the chicken cutlet was probably my favorite. That's like when I went vegan, I was like, damn, like I'm going to miss that. Like that would that was one that I would miss for sure. You got to find like a vegan replacement for the for the meat in that dish. I have, I have. Yeah, I haven't had that exact dish, but I found a vegan replacement. But it's in I had it in a panini, so I'm sure I can have it in just like a dish with like mashed potatoes and corn for sure. That's definitely. Yeah, you just got to get your mom to make the the mashed potatoes and corn. You'll be like, I'll I'll bring the meat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I should definitely do that. I was going to ask, how is it growing up with three three brothers? Are you where do you sit in terms of the age? Are you middle somewhere or oldest, youngest? Yeah, I'm the oldest of, of four. Um, uh, I, I mean, yeah, it was cool. It was cool. It was cool to to uh, to have a house, you know, filled with like all of us together all the time growing up. Um, I haven't thought about this in a while. So that's, a, that's an interesting question. Um, I feel like... Uh, a lot of my life, I was just in my head. So like, I would have to, you ever see like Kanye interviews where like he pauses for a long time to speak? Like I would have to do one of those because I think so much of my life was just spent just like in here where like I have to really like think about how all that was and how, you know, how that upbringing affected me now as a person, you know, in a positive way. Um, Because I feel like, yeah, so much of my life I was just like, so insecure and so like uh just hiding myself and hiding what i'm going through emo- like mentally and emotionally um where like i struggled to be present so much up until college because it was like uh there was just so much going on in here that i just wasn't even understanding that um it kind of kept me away from real life a little bit um but yeah, yeah, like being the oldest of four boys, like it was, you know, beautiful to like Christmas was so cozy all the time, um, especially like me being into Star Wars. Like I grew up, I still haven't grown out of toys. So like, like not only would I find joy in like, you know, opening up my gifts of all these different toys and Legos of Star Wars, but like my brothers too. Um, but then on the flip side, I think that really hurt was like they grew out of toys really quickly. So for like Christmas or even for birthdays, like me getting them stuff and them not ha- matching my energy of excitement when like. I'm excited currently and they're like five, seven and nine years younger than me. Like that shit hurt because, you know, it's like I grew up, you know, loving these toys and playing with action figures. And um, I was still doing it when they kind of grew out of it and got more into video games. Um, Because once we got internet, you know, we were able to play like Xbox Live. So me being so much older than them, like they got into it way younger. So it took away time from toys, you know. So I remember that specifically, like how hurt that that made me feel. It's interesting because I'm also the oldest of my of three of us. So um, I always like being the oldest. Um, the way I describe it is like, you know, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, yeah. You're Leonardo. Yeah, I'm Leonardo. That is. Yeah. So you, you understand like straight away. Um, yeah. that, that's the way I describe it is like. And uh, I think, what was it? My middle brother, he was uh, Raffaello with, the, oh, okay. with like the fork things. Uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, I don't know what the what the actual name for it is, so I always just call it Forks. Um, yeah, and then and then uh, my youngest brother was Michelangelo, the cheeky oh, one. Yeah, 
Yeah, you always need one of those. That's my youngest too, the Michelangelo. <laughs> but I, I speaking about toys, I actually remember the time that I grew out of toys. Like I remember once, it's it's the weirdest moment, and it's such a strange memory to me because I was, I don't know, I was bored, and I was like, oh, I'll go upstairs and play with my toys that I haven't done that for a while. And I remember just playing with them and I had this Goku like figurine and I just remember pretending. And then I was like, what am I doing? I don't understand. I just, I had that thought of like, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. I put it away and never, <laughs> never looked back. It was such a weird moment. I look back on it and go, ah, oh, such a weird moment to have as a kid to be like, ah, oh, I don't understand this anymore. Wow, that's crazy that you have a specific time because I can't I can't remember because I, I definitely like I stopped. I stopped playing and I, I didn't stop collecting, but I stopped playing. Um, but I don't remember that. I don't even know if I had that moment. So that's crazy that like it was literally like a, 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 a switch for you. Yeah, it's it's like one of the defining things as a kid that I remember. And I don't I don't know. It's just it was just so weird. And I remember the Goku figurine had lost his head or something. And, you know, it was just like the body. He was in like a, a particular pose. And uh, it was just like, at that moment, I look back and I'm like, oh, that's sad. Cause it's a little bit of like, you lose your innocence at that, at that time. Like, but, uh, but yeah, I think I was, oh, I don't know. I, I forget how old it was probably like 11 or 12. I don't know. Uh, I remember being like 14 and like my, I remember once speaking of like, you know, OCD and scheduling one summer, like two of my, Two, two classmates of mine from like middle school or high school, like they, I live in the middle of the woods. So like they had to drive, they had to like ride their bikes a lot to get to me, but they didn't tell me. And this is like, I didn't, I couldn't really text on my phone. So they had to call me and they didn't tell me, but I was in the middle of playing with toys. So like, I remember like coming out of my underwear with like one of my Star Wars, Millennium Falcon or something like holding it. I'm like, yo guys, like I'm playing with toys right now. Like I can't, I can't come out and play with you guys. Cause like, it's not on the schedule. Yeah. You no, know? <laughs> like, okay, I'm 14. Why do I care about schedule? But that's just like, that was my thing. Like, yo, this is my time for toys. Like I don't want to hang out with you guys right now. And I always remember that. Like, wow, they had to literally like bike out of the woods back home, you know, 30, 40 minutes. Um, but like, yeah, you should have called me first. You know, I would have told you not to come. <laughs> <laughs> do you think that was because you were, you were in your head a lot and the way of controlling that, you know, before you get to a point where you understand it is by having schedule and being like, you know, I can't control what's in my mind all the time, but I can control when I do certain things. Wow. Yeah. That's really insightful. Yeah. I would have, I would have never, I would have never put those together. Yeah. That's definitely what it is. You know, I think that the lack of understanding and the lack of control, which is like, like now, you know, I know like, Oh, I don't need to control. Like it's okay. You know, like I can, like, I'm not, I'm not my, my, I'm not anxiety. I'm not depression. I'm how I respond to those things. But I know that now. So as a kid, for sure, like, it's like, oh, like, you know, here's my schedule. Now I'm playing with toys. I can't go and switch it and do this other thing because that's unknown and I can't control that. So let me like play with my toys. You know, like I remember growing up, like I perfected the Australian accent because the clones in Star Wars have Australian accents. So I would make sure like when I'm playing with the clones of Star Wars, like, okay, these have the Australian actions, the, Je- the Jedi don't and stuff like that. But I was just like on it because that's, that's, I could control those, those universes. So that's like, yeah, that's a good point. I appreciate you sharing that with me. Hey, to be honest, all I do is I just listen to what you say and, and I don't know, it just seems to make sense to me, but you know, oh, you've, yeah. you've opened the door for an Australian accent. I mean, 
an Australian podcast. You said that you've perfected the Australian accent. Do you want to? Do you want to give it a go? Because (laughs) (laughs) no, definitely not now. When I was younger, yeah, because like Star Wars was just everything to me, and I love the idea of like, you know, Star Wars well or no? No, I'm to be honest, I'm not a Star Wars fan. I never clicked with it. Um, Mm. I 100% get it. Like I get how people love it. Like I'm a Lord of the Rings person, and like you get the same thing. I I get it. I get that. I get the love for it. And for people yeah. who listen to this and go, oh, these guys are the biggest nerds. This is not yeah. what I expected on a hip hop podcast. Well, guess what? <laughs> my podcast, yeah. my rules. We talk about whatever we want. <laughs> exactly. I love that. But just basically, there's like this bounty hunter who gets hired by the Jedi to like create an army of himself. So like, of course, like, you know, if you want to create an army of clones, you go to a really skilled assassin. And he had an Australian accent, but that means they all did too. And I was so obsessed with that growing up. And I just love the clones. I just love the idea of them. So um, that's the, the majority of my time was spent playing with clone toys until I ran out of room in my room for like Legos and for action figures. And that's when I was like, hey, like being in love with Star Wars isn't going to progress me as an entertainer, which is a, a ultimately what I, I want to be a performer. So that's when I got into like, oh, I got internet. Okay, let me play with like Pro Tools and see like, let me make some beats. And then see if I can rap and sing over those things. Because in the beginning, I wanted to be like, like fully, uh, I just wanted to be like, n- cut out all the middlemen. And I wanted to just do everything. And all of that is just a response to not having enough room for Star Wars toys. That's like literally it. I feel like if I had a, hu- a bigger room, it might have taken longer for me to get into music in terms of like creating it rather than just consuming it. Yeah, if you had like a huge fuck off mansion, you would never have gotten to that phase because you've always got room. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If there's no ceiling, that I'm I'm gonna able to grow into my, you know, into my 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 space. Yeah, I probably would. I don't know. I don't know where I would be right now. So yeah, that's really interesting. How's your process for creating music at the moment? Um, just in general. Yeah. Like, what is like? Do you get an idea first, or like, what's? Do you just book time and just force yourself to do it? Um, what's your kind of you know methodology? Hmm. I feel like this is another one of those things where it's like, like, again, in real life, I have all these definitions and all these procedures and processes, but as a, as an artist, I don't do any of that. So I think, you know, now, now looking back at everything, um, I feel like, you know, every day I'll have like ideas of like, oh, this is a cool line or like, this is a cool word to use in a song or something like that. But I feel like in general, in terms of like, the themes of the the, the music or the storyline of like whatever specific song, it kind of comes in the moment, like while I'm freestyling and finding melody and finding like flows and stuff. And it's just, it all comes from things in the, in my current, like my present life um, or things I don't have closure over yet um, generally. So I always write from self. Like I, I, I can't like, I can't like pretend and like, um, I can't write about things that aren't currently affecting me or have affected me in the past, you know, from my experience. Um, so I'd say a lot of it just comes in the moment, you know, like when I just freestyle. And how has COVID been for you? Like in terms of recording, do you have like a setup at home or do you still manage to get to the, to the, the studio? Like what's the, the process now? Um, so right when COVID happened in a, like when America kind of shut down, which was like March 14th. I also have an obsessive memory with dates and like 
times. And I think that's the color thing. Like there's yeah. colors. So like, I remember March 14th, it was when everything, when everything shut down, but I was in Paris. So, um, I stayed out there a little bit longer because in Paris, they just don't give it. They don't care. Like they don't care about anything. So being in Paris, I was like, Oh, Corona doesn't like it. Like, yeah, it's like, it's legit, but like, it doesn't matter. Like I can get home when I get home. And then when Paris started taking it serious, I was like, okay, like I have to get out of here. Like I, I got stuck for a little, just for a few days, but, um, I, I was able to get home, uh, you know, the next week and I hit up my engineer just to see if he was open and he didn't, he didn't give a fuck either. So I was like, okay. So like I booked out like the next three months of, of like uh, studio time already. Cause that's just how, you know, how me and him operate. So I was like, okay, let's don't, let's not cancel any sessions. I'm just going to go. So, uh, it's like the, the day after I got back from Paris, I went, so I live, I live in Staten Island, which is one of the five boroughs in New York city. And he lives in the Bronx, which is, um, probably the exact opposite side of Staten Island. Um, and I took the subway. Like I didn't, I, w- I didn't realize like how serious it was. I just took the subway like normal. Um, even this, like that, that first subway ride going to the Bronx, I didn't even wear a mask. Cause like I had just come from Paris where no one cares. So to be back in my, my, my home and I left, when I left my home, I didn't have to wear a mask. So I wasn't thinking. And then when I, when I finished in the studio and I took the subway to get back home, I saw everyone wearing masks and looking at me. And I was like, oh, like, this is real. So I, I, you know, I wore a mask, whatever. And that was the last time I ever took the subway to the studio. I drive now from now on. Um, but I would say all that, all that being said, nothing changed. Like if anything, because people are like on their phones and on their computers more consuming, like wanting to consume more. Like if COVID didn't happen, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. You know, like the only reason you have interest in me is because my exposure was able to increase because of COVID. So it's been nothing but a blessing for me. Like I have a manager now, I have fans now. Like I have things like a year ago today. Well, I, fans started coming in because of my Timothy Chalamet song for the most part. So like a little over a year ago, like I couldn't even tell you, we wouldn't even be speaking. I didn't, I wouldn't, I didn't have any fans, you know, not, not like that. So like having fans now, like real fans, like who I speak to on like a weekly basis, uh, a manager that like believes in, in me and, and, and my, 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 my journey. Um, it's been great, man. Yeah. It's been great. Well, I was going to ask you, you say about like, cause for me, COVID as well was a blessing in disguise. Like it sucked. Like I'm going to say right now it was horrible. Lockdown sucked and it was awful for so many people. And, you yeah, know, yeah. for all those people that the struggles and my heart goes out to you because some of them just, it's just bad luck. Like, yeah. you know, you, you started a business at the worst time and now you're struggling. But like I started the podcast during COVID that was, you know, it gave me the opportunity to be like, all right, I got the time, just do it. You know, yeah. don't, you know, you know, otherwise you just sit back and you, you look at your life and you're like, I should have gone for it. And, um, you know, this was, yeah, COVID gave like kind of pushed this forward, I think for me. Um, so yeah, again, like I understand where you're coming from. Like it, like a blessing in disguise. Sometimes you've got to make the most out of a bad situation. Um, yeah. But yeah, still, still people are suffering and obviously a lot of people lost their lives. So my heart goes out to all those people, but you know, for everyone who is doing okay, for everyone who made the most of it as well, you know, you did a good job. So um, I think that's an important message um, yeah. to get out there. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, like, you know, of course it's coming from a more privileged like standpoint because 
I was in a position where I could capitalize, you know, uh, rather than be like affected where I can't, you know, um, create and like put out a, like a lot of like music and a lot of like, you know, be on my Instagram more and be more active in the studio. So like, you know, this pause that, that, you know, definitely have hurt a lot of people like ended up really supporting me a lot. Um, so yeah, I'm just grateful. And how did you find like, you know, when you first get a fan that starts talking to you regularly, how is that? Cause I know what it was like for me. It was like a weird kind of like, I, like I get why you're messaging me, but at the same time, I don't understand why you're messaging me because like, I'm just, just a random guy that just happens to talk that you like. Yeah. Um, for me at first was just like, and not even in a bad way. It was just like, yo, this is bullshit. Like you don't actually like, like, yeah, you're talking to me. And I, I think a little bit might've been like, are you talking to me? Because like, there's some hype building now and there's like a train moving. And then it's like, oh no, like, like you love this song as, as if you would love a Drake or, or like my fans, like, like love Harry Styles. Like, like, even though I don't make that music at all, I guess my song better. It's like close to that. I don't make Harry Styles kind of music at all, but a lot of my fans are like 14 or like 17 in like the UK and like Saudi Arabia, Dubai, like all these random places that um, I've never really even been to. Or I never even thought like, oh, wow, my music could reach there because the internet is everywhere. So for them to like be messaging me, it went from like, okay, like you're just trying to hop on the bandwagon to like, oh, like you love my song. You love my music equal to these artists, but you don't have access to these artists. So it's almost even more of a blessing that like, I literally speak to everyone. Like I answer all my DMs. Like I am on my phone. Like I, I don't like notifications. Like I don't like them just sitting there. So like when I see it and then it's like, I see it, I have to answer. But then when it's someone like genuinely asking like, oh, why'd you name your song Timothy Chalamet? Or like, oh, you know, blah, blah anything music related. Like they're literally spending their time like asking me questions or consuming my, my work that I made to survive. You know, like I created this stuff to not kill myself and they're consuming it they're in love with it. And then they're asking me questions about it. It's like, holy shit. Like, like this is success, you know, like, I don't care about, and I'm, I'm so blessed to have a manager and I'm so blessed that like, they're like, this thing is gaining momentum and I'm really building something special, but I knew all that. Like I'm, I'm fucking dope. Like I knew all that already. <laughs> what I didn't know was like, holy shit, this little girl who's in lockdown, like an hour outside of London wants to talk to me and cares about my work and in caring about my work, like I can support her in like, Oh, you know, some kind of, you know, loneliness or anxiety, whatever. Like I never, th I never, it never occurred to me that that would mean more to me than any kind of accolade I got in the industry. You know, like I knew I would eventually get a manager. Like I knew the entertainment lawyers would come all the label stuff. Like I knew all that stuff. That was, that was a given. That's easy to me, you know, but to speak to fans that, like care about my music, but also care about me. And like, like I'll even just randomly say, Hey, how are you? Like I was thinking about you. Like, that's crazy to me. Like that is like the most important. It makes it, it makes everything I've gone through worth it. I feel like there are two types of people, people who love their fans and people who are like, I love my music and the fans happen to be, you know, they come <laughs> along with my music. There's like, you know, those two types of people. Um, I think you and I, the more I talk to you, the, the more I'm like, you and I are very similar because 
I also am like with my messages, I'm I'm one of those people who, you know, I get emails on my phone and I have to delete them. If there's more than 10, I'm like, it's too many. It's too many. And then I see people with like 3,000. I'm like, what are you doing with your life? Get your shit together. Start deleting them. There's no way. There's no way you, you have that many notifications. But yeah, I just, I can't, I have to read them and then I have to respond because I think what it actually boils down to is, well, one, I just don't like all those notifications, but two, like, I hate the feeling of not being respected and, and being responded to. And I never want anyone to feel that way. So like everyone has the red receipts on no matter who you are. Like on my, on my iMessage, like I have my red receipts on for everyone because for me, it's important. Like, okay, I read your message at this time and I responded right away because I'm giving you a hundred percent of myself in that moment. And like, I wish more people would do that for me and it's okay that they don't, but I'll always do that for other people. So they know how it feels. Cause that's feeling is very, very nice. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. And I'm like you as well. Like I love, I love when people tell me like, you know, they like what I do or they, you know, they, they learn from it or like, even if it, it wasn't your, your cup of tea, I don't mind. I just appreciate people that they give it a go and, and listen, like at the end of the day, I would do this regardless. If I had, if no one listened to this, I would still do it because number one, I just like talking to artists, like, especially like rappers and hip hop. Like I find it so interesting and, you know, I feel like I learned so much from having these conversations because like you and I come from completely different backgrounds, you and I, different countries, gone through different things, but at the same time, we have so much in common and it's, it's just cool to me that I can do this. So for all the fans, like I appreciate all the love and and I'm sure you do as well, but at the same time, you know, for us, you would probably still make music even if you had no fans. Yeah, exactly. Like I was making music, but like, not even releasing it, just like making it, you know, just because it was fun in my room before I met an engineer, before I even ever been to a studio. Um, so yeah, I just love like capturing that, like capturing just like a snapshot of like where I'm at mentally or emotionally or spiritually. And something my manager said, which I really love is like, now that things are really moving for me and, and, and my, and this journey to be present in what's working and be present in the magic I'm creating because it's easy to lose that when you gain all the other stuff. And that was just like, you know, really insightful for me. Cause it's like, yeah, like, I, you know, I'll, I'll never be one to uh, take this for granted one, but also like lose what got me here in the first place, you know, lose that. I'll never be able to lose the, the, the lens in which I write and I create art um, because it's like, it's just like purely me, you know, like in acting, especially going to college. So I went to college, I went to conservatory for acting for four years. So like in college or university, cause I know, you know, and you guys, you call it uni. Um, we had like five classes that weren't acting in four years and the rest were acting classes. Like, like, I don't know how it is over there, but like in, in America, you know, obviously there's like credits and like three credits a class or something. And I think over here, the general thing is like 12 to like 15 credits or what people take in general, I think, which is like four or five classes. Like I would have to take 22 credits a semester. So I would have like eight classes. Um, wow, that's heaps. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a lot. But I enjoyed it because, you know, because I, I really love acting. Um, but the main thing they taught us is like, if you're not authentic and you're not vulnerable and you're not grounded, get the fuck off the stage, basically. That's what acting is. Like if you're not honest with yourself, if you're not, not, not even acting, if you're not being 
Um, and that's what I love about theater, like teaching acting through theater because in film acting in general, my experience of it is like, oh, make the camera think you're crying or make the camera think you're sad. But in theater, it's like, how can you get to a place where you're actually that emotion so that the character can be believable? So because this is my background, I'm incapable of making music that isn't 100% me because I'm incapable of not being 100% me because I would have gotten kicked out of school if I wasn't 100% me. So I know nothing else to the point now where like I've been taught by a, a few new people in my life, like, hey, you're being too transparent. You know, you don't have to reveal so much information about yourself. You don't have to be that honest. You can keep some of that for yourself. And I don't even know what that means. I'm just used to putting it all out there. So uh, musically, that's still beautiful. But like on a social side, like now I'm learning, okay, I don't need to share. I don't need to share all that stuff. That stuff is for me. Yeah, you know? it's like, who am I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Way, yeah, way too. Yeah. <laughs> but to be honest, I think it's better that you share too much than not enough. I think yeah. that is a good... I, if someone was like, Aaron, you don't share enough, I would be like, okay, I need to be more open. And But, but then there's like also like settings. Like I know that when I'm a, like, I've got a full-time job, what I call quote unquote a real job. Um, and I much prefer doing this, but I know that who I am there is not who I am like during this podcast. Cause this podcast is like, it's just me and I get to do what I want. There's no impact. Like, you know, no one's going to tell me off and go, Oh, Aaron, you shouldn't have said that. I'm like, Oh, well, it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But, I, but you know, in social settings, you're like, you got to pretend and you got to put on this mask. And I think we all act in a certain way every single day. Um, we just don't acknowledge it. Yeah. Yeah. I think another thing we learned in acting is like, know your audience. So it's like, you know, say for you, you know, we can talk about say Lord of the Rings, but like, maybe I wouldn't, talk, I don't like football, like NFL. Like I don't really watch sports, but like, I wouldn't talk to NFL about you maybe because like there's no NFL where you live. So it's like, and that, that's like a, that's like a, you know, minuscule version. For sure, know your audience is like something I definitely live by a lot. And and, and know your fans, but you know uh, what? I'm I'm going to finish up pretty quick because I know. Well, look at look at look at me hitting an hour on the nose. That's I'm pretty good. Um, <laughs> see, I'm keeping. See, I'm I'm, I'm making you happy. But um, that uh, you have more things you want to ask. Like I have a little more time. Like you know, I don't want you to rush anything. Bro, I can talk all day. So that's you're you're heading into it into a world, but. Um, you know, in terms of, cause, cause one of the things that, that you said that was interesting to me is, you know, when people are saying, you know, you're sharing too much, like, have, do you have moments where you're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have revealed that. Or is there like, is it the setting or what do you think it is that, that just allows you to, to just go for it? Hmm. I think in general, it's just like, in general, I'd say like these, any insecurities or any kind of fears or any anxieties or, or any of these sensations that I feel like I don't want to, I don't want to hold them. I don't want to keep them in because then they just build. And like, then I end up building this foundation of like, of just negative and just, you know, black and ugliness. Um, so I think a part of it is just like, you know, sharing how I'm feeling um, even if it's like making fun of myself in the past, at least just to put it out there, like, Hey, I'm not holding on to this. I'm letting all this go. Um, but I would say now it's like, 
it's not it's not necessarily like sharing too much or saying too much of like oh that was disrespectful it's more of just in general i've learned that i never speak about blessings until they're like set in stone like no one can screw this up you know so like say my manager who i met in august i didn't even really tell any of my friends to the extent of what was really going on until that paper was signed in february the contract was signed in february so from august to february like even all the little things that he made or bigger things that he's that he's he's done for me or done with me like i wasn't sharing any of that because i knew ultimately like like contractually he wasn't my manager yet um and not that i don't really care about a piece of paper but it's more you know it's protection for me and him until that contract was signed he wasn't like technically my manager um so in that like kind of context like I've learned whether it's, you know, something from my career or something with like a personal process of maybe this journey of removing people from my life who aren't serving me currently and may have served me in the past, but, you know, I refuse to like live in nostalgia. You know, I live in the present. So maybe a few months ago, I would have been honest with those people and say, hey, I'm going through this process of figuring out if I want to keep you in my life right now. But it's like, I don't need it. I don't need to do that, you know, because what ends up happening is me taking a stand for myself and make, taking a stand for my happiness and my life. That is really intimidating for people who feel like they don't have that kind of strength. And rather than be inspired by that strength, they'd rather knock me down and be like, nah, like stop what you're like, stop it. Like you're being stupid. Um, and that's just like a specific example of something like, Oh, I don't need to share my process of like what I'm going through right now with people um, until I feel content with where it's at. And then I can share, or I don't have to share at all. Like I answer to nobody. And that's something I really need to learn. Like, or I'm le- currently learning. I literally, I have, I don't have to explain myself to anybody. And I think as a person, and I don't know where it stems from, that'll be, it'll be uh, a fun journey to figure that out. But I just like, I over-explain and I just want, I want to give everyone the full consideration of, oh, I got to this, I got to this answer because of, all of this other stuff. And it's like, or the reason I'm doing this is because of blah, blah, blah. And then I give a whole Lord of the Rings novel of how I got there. But it's like, I don't owe anybody anything. If, so, if, if these people love me or this person has my best interest in their heart, my answer, my simplest answer should be enough. I don't need to over explain. Yeah. I, I think you touch on a lot of important things. And one of the things that resonates is, you know, haters. And I feel like you are hundred percent, you know, people often hate because you're doing the things they can never do, or they're too scared to do, or they're not emotionally available yet to, to actually do it. And that's why people hate because like, you know, I'm sure, you know, you would have got comments about the the blue in your hair, just like, you know, and some people like, I wish I could do it or had the freedom and felt comfortable enough in my own skin to do it. And, you know, I see somebody that does. So, what's my reaction as an insecure person? I'm going to have a go at them instead of looking at myself and, and being like, well, if that's what I want, why can't I do that as well? Yeah. 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 I totally agree with you. You know, I think that uh, oftentimes like a hater or just someone, you know, spewing negative towards a person is probably because they're just like, fuck, like I wish I could do that. Or, or just, I wish I could have the strength to do the, my version of that but I, I can't, or I'm not allowing myself to. Um, so let me bring this person down because if I can't do it, they can't either. 
Yeah, it's know. like if they fail, then I get to tell myself, see, they failed. It's good. I didn't even try. Yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. what it is. It's like, you know, it's the fear of failure. So if I see other people fail, it's like makes my fear slightly better, but it's, yeah. it never does. Yeah, at all. And I think it's like a lot of people, at least in my experience, they play not to lose instead of play to win. And that's a huge distinction. Like I don't play not to lose. I play to win every time because like I'm alive. I'm so grateful to be alive. Um, and there's so many people around me who don't have the, may not have the same blessings or the same privilege I do, or even something as simple as like relatives who aren't here anymore. And just knowing like what they would do with the life that I have, if they just had another opportunity, it's like, yo, I can't, I can't just sit here and do nothing. That's directly disrespecting. Like my grandma was not here or like, even like something like I think about like my mom's miscarriages like my mom had three miscarriages. If I don't live in my purpose and share that purpose every day, then like they, sh they should be alive, not me, because they would be doing it. And that, that, that is, is like the number one thing that keeps me going. You know, not, not that people have it worse than you. People are starving in Africa. So, you know, what are you complaining about? That's negative, I think, because then that takes away misery from yourself. It's like, oh, I can't be miserable because someone else has it worse. I think the more positive way is people are doing more with less. So what's your excuse? You know, there's someone who has way less than me right now, like recording their vocals off an iPhone, but they get more streams than I get, you know, or they're like, you know, they're progressing at a faster rate. And I look at that as like, wow, like I have no excuses. Like I got to go, I got to keep going, you know, and that, that, that really helps me a lot. Yeah. And I think it's important. It's all about perspective. Like you can, you don't have to be one or the other way. You can, you can acknowledge that, yes, there are people who would love to be in my position, but at the same time, I also don't want to be just here. Like it's yeah. okay to strive for more. It's okay to, you know, desire for a better life. It's okay to, you know, want more for yourself to achieve something, to look back on your life and go, you know what? I did something good and, or something that I'm proud of. And I don't think they're, they're one and independent of one another and, you know, you can still have that perspective. Um, but something that also intrigues me about you is you take me as someone who talks through what you're feeling. Like you've now come to a point where you're like, this is how I feel. The way for me to be a good person and feel good is to actually just talk to somebody about it. Did you ever see like a psychiatrist or a therapist or anyone? Did you have those people in your life where, you were you were talking to because I know you know even for myself I saw somebody for a little bit just to talk through some things it just helps you even if they don't give you any advice just somebody that sits there for an hour and you just talk at them for a bit and you're just like oh I actually feel so much better yeah, like you're hearing it yourself so it's like yeah and in, in in you sharing you end up becoming like your own teacher yeah a little bit uh, but no I've never I I I didn't grow up with many friends if any. Um, and I was super private with everything I was going through. So I didn't even, I wasn't even in a position where I could go speak to somebody because I wasn't even open with what I was going through. So for me was just like music, you know, like acting and, and clothing too. Like it, you know, it, it was, you know, uh, nice outlets for me to, to do those things, but it wasn't directly me, you know? So music being a hundred percent authentically me, that, was really part of my process and learning about myself and, and 
becoming more aware of some of these sensations. So then when I became aware of those things and people started to either come into my life, whether it be like friends um, that I have now or like fans, um, I refuse to live on an island. You know, I refuse to have a lot of these or my versions of the answers, because obviously it's all perspective, but I refuse to have my versions of the answers that help, of, of the things that supported me and live on an island with them. I have to share the tools. It's just, just I, I just, I'm blessed to have a lot of these answers for myself and the least I can do is share those, you know, with, with people that um, may be in, in positions that won't be able to find those answers as efficiently as I did or as, um, at, you know, at this age that I did. And like my duty is to share that with as many people as possible. Well, man, I think that, you know, your, your journey is definitely something that some, some people and a lot of people can, can learn from, um, you know, as much as, and sometimes I feel like we as people are like, I'm just who I am. And, you know, why would you learn from me? And we have those feelings and thoughts, but I think there's definitely a lot people can learn from in terms of just your own journey. And as I said earlier, like, it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to need help. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to go through all those feelings. So, you know, you can, you can get through it. Um, and you just got to find your own coping mechanism. And some people go through, you know, music, artistry, other people talk, other people exercise, whatever it is, that's, that's the important part. There's no one way, but know that you can do it. Um, and I think that leads into my last question. The only question I ever plan on the podcast, it's probably the hardest question though. So, uh, be, be warned. Um, if you could choose one album that everybody listens to at least once, what would it be? Oh, so if, if I could choose one album for everyone to go listen to? That, that everybody should listen to. Like, you're like, oh, this is oh. the album. It doesn't have to be hip-hop, any genre. Oh, it's Blonde. Blonde by Frank Ocean is... Um, like, I, I'm one of the very few artists, I feel like, that know the difference between, like, the best and, like, favorite. Like, Jay-Z is one of the best. But I don't, I don't even have him on my... No offense to Jay-Z. I don't have him on my, my iPhone at all. I have... Tyler Crater is my number one art, favorite artist of all time. So I'm aware there's like favorite and there's best. To me, Blonde is both. Like Blonde is one of the greatest albums to ever exist and also my favorite album of all time. So I would recommend anyone, especially hip hop fans, because like coming from my background, since hip hop is the foundation of everything I do, I just love drums. Like I love percussion first. And there's like, I feel like over 50% of the, the music on there has no percussion. And especially as hip hop fans or just, you know, casual music listeners, they might be turned off by that. But I would encourage people to look past that and just like listen to the atmosphere, like the textures in there and listen to the things he sang. Um, I think Blonde is like one of the greatest albums to ever exist. There you go. Frank Ocean, Blonde, if you haven't heard of it or if you haven't heard it, go listen to it. I don't know about you, but you touched on something. I love heavy drums in hip hop. Like there's nothing better then when you're listening and you're like, oh, those drums sound so heavy. Like, yeah. And then yeah. on the same time, if they're too light, you're like, oh, this beat could have been so good. Just, oh, I don't know where you got these drums from. Just, yeah. yeah man. So pick, like, if you listen to my music, I'm so, so particular with my drums. Like the last song I just dropped last month, actually uh, a month ago today, it's called Welcome to the Show. 
and um like those drums like captured me so much they're like this like steel drum kind of like tropical vibe um and just drums just are so important to me um and all of my music and blonde is the opposite of that for the most part and yet it just it's just so capturing well man i think i think it's a great answer i always love hearing the different answers that everybody gets and the more i'm realizing is hip-hop artists have a lot of albums that are not hip-hop they love and that's like that's really cool to me like as as just a hip-hop fan like that's pretty much the only music i listen to so i'm like when hip-hop artists are like you got to go listen to this i'm like okay now now the artists that i like are like all right you got to expand your mind a little bit i'm like all right now now i finally understand but man i appreciate your time i appreciate you know we discussed a lot of a lot of deep personal things so i appreciate you you being so so open and honest about them um and i think you know with your introspection and on your journey and you said a lot that you're you know you wouldn't have thought about certain things and i think that's going to help you long term so i think you know you're, you're definitely on the right path and the music you create is unique it's it's definitely just who you are as an individual. So I think you can, once you continue to do that, you know, there's, there's no stopping you, but did you want to plug where people could find you and, and your social media and, and everything? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's just my name, Jovian, J O V I A N. Um, you can find me on Instagram, which is the most important. And then also Spotify. Yeah. Spotify, J O V I A N. And um, yeah, any yeah. support, you know, beyond uh, appreciated. And I'm just, I'm just happy to be here. And YouTube as well. Check out the music videos as well. Another, another cool thing is like, it's very much with the vibe um, of the music. Like once you see the music video, like for me, I love seeing music videos because it gives you a little bit more, um, but the vibe definitely matches the music and definitely matches who you are. I think there's like, um, you know, there's in one of the music videos, you're in like a phone, phone booth and like, where'd you go? Yeah. yeah. I was just like, ah, sick. But but no, man, I appreciate your time and love to have you back on. I feel like, you know, we could talk for hours about all this, <laughs> all this random shit, but no, I appreciate you. And I think, you know, you're doing a fantastic job. So keep it up. And for any fans that, that haven't heard of, heard of him, please check him out and, and let him know, give him some positive feedback. Cause you know, every artist loves that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, Or negative, whatever. As I, if you comment that helps the algorithm. So just, you know, do a re- re- really quick. Like I, I do these, um, these posts, like I, this, this one page posted my thing of like my manager, my manager is the one who signed uh, Bobby Shmurda and he used to manage Joyner Lucas. So like, it was like a post of like, Oh, this guy who managed both of those found a new artist. And when you look at the comments, there's, so, it's like, I would say 90% hate, but what ends up happening is it's because like, if I hated something, I would never comment. It's just not in my, my nature. So for these people doing that, they're actually better than fans because it helps my algorithm. It helps the, you know, helps push the exposure of these posts. And I'm, I was in LA with my manager and I got in the room with these, this, this producer called Fisty Cuffs. They did their duo and they did all of Jenea Aiko and all of Miguel's stuff. Um, like eight Grammy nominations, like really, really successful people. And immediately when I got in, he was like, yo, I saw a post on my explore page about how your manager is your manager. And I checked out your music before you got here. And like, that's crazy that you came up on my explore page and you're really good. And I was like, wow, like if it weren't for the haters who commented on all that stuff, he would have never seen that. So the haters are equal to me. 
So whatever you guys have to share, my DMs are open. Just comment. All right. If you hate his music, <laughs> please make sure he knows about it. Comment yeah. three or four times. And if you hate my own podcast, let me know too. Comment as many times as you want. I might start fights now. I might start <laughs> fights with people. Just yeah. get those comments up. Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah, maybe it won't be good for my serenity, but it'll be good for for just promoting the podcast. But yeah, yeah. no, nah, I know, man. Like, I appreciate you, and and uh, yeah, I think your fans also appreciate you. So, um, thank you for coming on, and I'm looking forward to speaking to you again. Six months. Let's do it. Six months from now. Let's see where awesome. we're at. Awesome. We'll book it in. <laughs>